Good morning. Um, hope that you are encouraged this morning. Our worship time was, was just beautiful. Um, I'm just encouraged to be here with you today. Um, if you don't know me, I'm Pastor Paul. Um, thank you. Hello. It's good to see you all. Um, I'm glad to be with you all today. I just have uh, two quick things I need to mention to you before I get out of the way because I'm not speaking this morning um, officially. And that is uh, mark your calendars next Sunday. Next Sunday, the 26th, um, some of you have been wondering, we talked about this at our all-church gathering at the end of February, but we have been in the process of looking for um, replacement staff as, we, as uh, you know, our discipleship pastor transitioned, Pastor Robin Christie, at the end of January, and uh, we have been meeting and speaking actively with a candidate for what will become a family life pastor here at church, and he will be with us next Sunday, and he will be a guest speaker. His name is Jeff, and we are excited to have him and his wife and his two teenage sons with us. Um, they are going to be here. We're very encouraged. Um, the conversations have been going very well. And uh, if God so be it, and that be the direction that we go in, that we might have a family life pastor on staff soon at Bridge. So we're encouraged by that. So if you want an opportunity to meet him and, uh, and see where God might be leading us as a church, come here next week. Um, I can promise you, you can't introduce yourself over the internet. Okay, so if you want an opportunity to see him and just get to meet him, we are encouraged by that. And like I said, his family will be here next Sunday, and uh, he'll be bringing the word and continuing our Bible engagement series uh, as well. So we're excited to have Pastor Jeff and his wife with us and family next Sunday. Uh, The other announcement I wanted to make to you is the fact that I'm not speaking this morning. Uh, We do have another guest speaker with us today, Um, and guest is in quotes, Um, not because this person is unknown to many of us, uh, but because... Um, this specific space may be unknown to her. Um, some of you know Kathy Lacourt. She has been a part of Bridge. Okay. Some of you know Kathy Lacourt. She's been a part of Bridge for uh, 10 years. We talked about that this morning. 10 years. And I remember the first time I met Kathy, uh, she said nothing. Absolutely nothing. She was here as a guest with someone else. She was very quiet. And if you know Kathy, you know that's not Kathy. Okay, she has lots of things to say. Um, And what's really cool about this, listen, the truth of the matter is, um, when we make a decision to say yes to God, we open the door for God to do things in our lives. And it looks different for everyone. This is not a formula. It doesn't look the same for everyone. But one thing I could say about Kathy consistently is over the last 10 years, as she's walked in her relationship with Jesus, she has continually said yes to God continually said yes to God. And sometimes those yeses are yes with excitement. And sometimes those yeses are really, but okay. And the point I'm trying to say this morning is that as we've walked the journey out, we've seen Kathy continue to have a heart for missions, heart for prayer. She's been on missions trips. Um, she spoke at a church in the Philadelphia area just a few months ago. God's continuing to put things on her heart to share the gospel, not just with people connected at Bridge, but to continue to reach out beyond the boundaries of Bridge. Because when you say yes to God, you just don't know where he's going to take you. So as we've been going through the Bible Engagement Project, and we've been thinking about ways that we can continue to bring fresh voices to our church, people that we believe God has been taking on a journey and a path. Kathy's name has come to mind many times. So I've known Kathy for many years. I know her heart is not to speak at people. I know her heart is not to um, give a dictatorial authoritarian message. It's to be honest and vulnerable and to share some of her journey, but to bring the word of God in a way that will encourage you as it's also encouraged her. Make sense? So I'm going to welcome Kathy up. If you would just do me a favor and join me as we welcome Kathy LaCord up. She's going to be our guest speaker today. Kathy, come on up. 
We are going to pray for Kathy. So, Leslie, if you could join me on the stage. Kathy, we're going to pray over you. Okay? Right? I don't have a gallon of oil to dump on you. Okay? It'll mess your hair up, and it's too nice. Okay? But would you, church, just join me? Just ask, just extend your hand, and it's just a, a visible way of saying you're in agreement with this. There's not superpower of lightning bolts that come out of your fingers. It's just, I say this, it sounds silly, but people think this is, like, more spiritual than this. We do this because this is a church and body and a unity and agreement. So if we do this, please extend your hands. We're going to pray over her and just ask God to speak through her as she brings the word to bridge this morning. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for what you've been doing in Kathy's life over the last 10 years. We thank you, Lord, for the transformation that you've continued to do in her, through her, and around her. And God, we just are excited to hear the word that you've put on our heart, how she's going to take this scripture, Lord, and she's going to bring this to us, Lord, not because it's her words, but it's because the things you've birthed in her heart through your spirit. So, God, I just pray that you would loosen her tongue, that you would encourage her, you would relax her, and that our hearts would be receptive this morning to hear everything that you have for us as we listen to your servant who has said yes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. She's going to get her stuff, and I'm going to get this, the, uh, the podium, okay? In the meantime, look to somebody next to you and tell them how good-looking they are. Come on up. Yeah, I think it's on. Yeah, there it is. Okay. <laughs> Good morning. I guess you know I'm Kathy LaCourt. Um, today is such a special day for me um, because it's the first time I get to preach here in this church. And I am so excited to have this opportunity. Um, if you've been with us for a past couple months, that you're going to know that we've been going through the Bible engagement. So um, I'm going to start with our faith, faith verse for today. It's in um, Matthew 5:16. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Today, uh, we're going to be in Volume 5, Session 4. And the scripture is going to be in 2 Kings 4. We're going to be in verses 1 through 7. And the title is The Widow's Oil. The title for this particular sermon is Faith in Action Moves God. I normally have a better voice, but this week I kind of lost it a little bit. I guess the enemy thought that would stop him, but here I am. I want to start by saying there are two very well-known prophets in the Bible that have very similar-sounding names. Let me see if I can get this straight. One is Elijah with a J. The other one is Elisha with an S-H-A. Let me give you a little background on both of them. Elijah was sent sent by God to encourage Israel to turn back to the Lord. You see, the nation of Israel decided that they were going to follow a false god named Baal. So Elijah invited all the prophets of Baal to Mount Carmel for a challenge to determine which one, whether the Lord God or Baal, is truly God. And everyone in Israel was there. The challenge involved an animal sacrifice. 
Each side would take a bowl, cut them into pieces, put it on fire, but they did not put any fire to it. Then Elijah said, you call on your God, and I will call on the Lord God. I love that, the Lord. And who answers by fire, he is God. So everybody there said, yeah, that's a good idea. We're going to go with that. So the prophets of Baal went first. And from morning to night, they did everything they could to get their God to answer, to no avail. He never responded. Then it was Elijah's turn. And he stepped forward and he prayed. Listen to this prayer. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you are Lord and that you are Lord God and that you are turning their hearts back to them again. Now, this is in 2 Kings 18. If you want to know how it ends, you can watch it. But I am going to tell you a little secret. Our God reigns. Yes. Now, Elisha, Elisha, sorry, Elisha, um, towards the end of Elijah's, this is where it's going to get tricky, Elijah's time on the earth, he asked Elisha, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? And Elisha asked, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Now, God showed his power through Elisha while he was alive, but also through his death. And in 2 Kings 13, it said once when there was Israelites were burying a man, suddenly this band of raiders came and they got scared. Well, they took the man's body and threw him in Elisha's grave. And when the body touched Elisha's bones, this man came back to life and stood up, stood on his feet. Well, I guess you could say Elisha got that double portion. That's amazing. The reason why I'm telling you this story and why I'm starting um, the sermon with this is that these two prophets had enormous faith in God. And because of that faith, God moved powerfully in their lives. So let's start on today with our scripture. So if you have your Bibles, open up to 2 Kings 4, and we're going to go through verses 1 through 7. So the first two, we're going to start reading with the first two verses. The wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elijah replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing at all, she said. All I have is a small jar of olive oil. All right, verses 3 to 5. Elisha said, go around, ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go outside, shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour the oil in the jars, and as each is filled, put put them to one side. She left him, and she shut the door behind her and her sons, and they brought the jars to her, and they kept pouring. Verse 6 to 7. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he said, there is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. So she went and told the man of God what had happened. And he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, I ask that you have your way through this service, and may you be glorified by the words that are spoken. I ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I love to read the Bible, and I love doing it uh, in a year. And it amazes me every, every single year how he'll show me something in the scriptures that I missed. It's a brand new thing all the time. Well, that's what he did when um, I start preparing for this sermon, when I was told I was going to be um, doing Second Kings about the widow and her oil. God gave me this perspective. He said, the prophet Elisha in this story is him, God Almighty. And the widow represents us, his children. Now, let me explain. You see, the widow went to Elijah to tell him what was happening in her life, how her husband died, and now the creditor was going to take her sons. She needed help, and so she went to the only one that she could go to, and that was the prophet Elijah. You see, in her time, people were unable to go to God directly. They had to go to the prophets. Um, God spoke through the prophets, and then the prophet, in turn, would deliver God's message to the people. Now, notice the story didn't say that she ran to all her friends and her family members for guidance, and she didn't stress out, saying, what am I going to do? You know, what can I do to pay off this debt? No, it just simply said that she cried out to Elijah the prophet. So how does that apply to us? Well, as she had to go to Elijah, today we can go to God directly. When Christ died on the cross for our sins, he brought us back into relationship with him. And because of his willing sacrifice to lay down his life for us, now we have the privilege, and it is a privilege, to approach God's throne directly. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God cares about everything in our life, big and small. And when God is the first one that we turn to in need, we are showing him that we trust him, we have faith in him, and he hears us, and that we believe, truly believe, that he is going to help us. God wants to be the focal point of our lives, and we don't need to go to Google to ask for advice, and we don't need to post something on Facebook or Twitter. God wants us to go to him. He knows what we need before we do. Now the word says, but seek the first, the kingdom of God, and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. In other words, when we value the riches of God's kingdom over the material possessions of this world, God will meet our needs. So when you need comfort, he's going to be your comforter. When you need strength, he will strengthen you. And when you need reassurance, he's going to remind you what he said in Psalm 91. He said, because you love me, says the Lord, I will rescue you. I will protect you for you acknowledge my name. You will call on me and I will answer you. I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you and honor you. With long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. The point, first point today for it's like the faith point is God go to God first if you go to God first you're going to get the answers you're going to need and want and love 
Now, in verse number three, Elijah asked the widow two questions. One, how can I help you? Now, when that to me, when, we were, when I was talking with God, it's almost like I pictured whenever I go to God, when I need to talk to him, it's almost like he says, how can I help you? And that's what it felt like. In John 5, 114, it says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Sometimes people get a little uncomfortable. They don't know what prayer is. They don't know how to pray. Well, I'm just going to tell you something that he told me. Prayer is just talking with me. So prayer is simply that, talking with God. He loves when his kids talk to him. Just be yourself and tell him what's on your mind. Now, we might not receive the answer we like, but that doesn't mean he didn't hear us. His answer might be yes or no or wait. But you can guarantee that God has heard your prayers. Excuse me, I need a little water. (laughs) Remember, God knows everything. We don't. How we respond to his answer will show him how much faith we have in him how much faith we do have. Now, prayer isn't always asking God for something. Prayer should be a time when you praise him, worship him, thank him. You share with him everything that's on your heart. God wants to have a relationship with every one of us. And I know God treasures the time we spend with him in prayer because some of the most intimate times that I've spent with God was when I was honestly telling him how I feel. I love how he allows us to be ourselves, and he knows everything about us. He meets us right where we are. And one thing I know for sure, if you want to see God move in your life, show him your faith. Hebrews 11.6 says this, And without faith, it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. God has given each of us a level of faith. And it's up to us whether or not we choose to grow that faith. Now, Elijah asked the widow this, tell me what you have in your house. And the widow's response with nothing but a little jar of olive oil. How does this apply to us? Well, I think what God is saying in this situation is, what do you have in your house? What's inside of you? Um, what, um, what am I going to say? Oh, yeah. He's asking you, do you trust me? Do you believe in me? Do you have any faith in me? I'm here. Do you believe I'm here? What is your response to him? Do you say, I don't have anything at all? I don't have any faith. Do you say, well, I have very little? Or do you say to him, I love you with all my heart, my mind, my body, my soul, my strength, and my spirit? I know who you are, and I know you'll leave my, never leave my side. That's what he wants to know. It's inside of you. On March, tw- uh, March of 2020, I filed for unemployment, as did pretty much everybody in the country. And um, I received my unemployment compensation letter saying that my benefits were approved. When my coworkers began receiving their payment, I was a little nervous because mine didn't show up. And I figured I'll give it another week and maybe that payment will just show up in my account. Well, after two weeks, I got a little worried. The only way you can contact unemployment is on their website via chat. 
So after speak, you know, doing several hours of trying to get onto this chat to talk to somebody, I knew this wasn't going to be easy. So I went to God and I asked him if he could help me fix this matter. And I told him I have faith in him. I know I have faith in him. And um, I said, I'm just asking you if you can help me. Well, when I started ending, entering the second month without any payments, fear began to show up. I saw my uh, savings dwindle down because I paid two mortgages, two car payments, two months of utility bills, and miscellaneous bills. And I thought, if I don't receive any money anytime soon, I'm really going to be in trouble. And I cried out to God. I literally cried. And I said, I trust you. I really, really do. But I am so scared. Please help me get through this. Please give me strength. And I felt like I let him down. And I even said to him, please forgive my unbelief. And as I walked down and I walked into my bedroom, my head was down. And I looked up. And just when I looked up, there was a plaque on the wall that my friends had given me. And it said, all you need is faith. And seeing those words made me realize that my faith might be shaken at times, but he will always be there for me. And it wasn't long after that, the problem was fixed and the money came in. And I was so, so thankful. So the um, point for this is pray in faith. When you want to go to God, show him you believe that he hears you and you know that he's capable of doing anything. All right. Elijah then tells the woman to go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars and don't ask for a few. And God might ask us to do something that takes you out of your comfort zone. I'm sure it did her. She might have thought, people might think I'm weird. Why am I going around asking for these jars? But it didn't say she said that. He told her what to do, and she did it. Um, So when God asks you to do something to come out of your comfort zone, um, do you question his decision, or do you kind of give him suggestions how he could do this a little bit better? Just remember, he is omnipotent. He is all-powerful, and there's nothing he can't do. Think of this in this story. What if the widow said, I can't do that? What will my friends and neighbors think about me collecting empty jars? What if she only asked for tiny jars and not big jars? And what if she chose to put oil but not in all the jars? Or what if she rejected Elisha's recommendation altogether? Well, she would have missed out on receiving one of the greatest answers to her prayers. Her sons would, would be slaves, and she probably would, would be destitute and homeless, and this story would never have been told. Now, God might ask you to do something that you don't feel you're capable of doing. Well, you might not be able to do it by yourself, but with his strength, you can do anything. In 2013, God put it on my heart to go on a mission trip to Alaska that they were planning. And I'm thinking, a mission trip? I've never been on a mission trip. This is a new one, you know. And um, it was a little out of my comfort zone, to be honest with you. Um, I didn't have any idea what to expect. And I came up with several excuses why I really couldn't do it. I didn't know that many people because I was new to the church, so... 
I don't know exactly who I was going to be going with. I didn't think I'd be able to raise the money. And the biggest reason of all was because I was scared to death to do it. Well, but God kept putting it on my heart. I always say he does that little nudge. You know what I mean? Like when he keeps it up and keeps, I know, I know I'm going, you know? (laughs) And I never want to tell God no to anything because I'm so thankful for everything he has done for me. So I gave him all my concerns. (laughs) I placed my little case right in front of him. This This is what I'm dealing with. But if you say go then I believe you're going to take care of me. Well, not only did I raise enough money for the trip, I raised additional funds that helped the rest of the team that needed the money. And, oh, the people that I met on the trip, I now call them friends. I met Lisa and Dave Bockert, Paul and Leslie Kemper, and Kathy and Chuck, um, Martinelli, and the rest of the team. And I, because I would, uh, I listened to what God said and went, I developed friendships during that trip. And I truly felt more connected when I came back that I had friends. Um, Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than anything you can ask or imagine, according to his power that is in work with us. And the faith and action point for this is don't limit God. Don't limit him. Let him do his own thing. You just get out of the way and do what he's saying. Believe you. Believe me. He's going to have something really special for you. Now, the the next one. Eliza said, go go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Now, this sentence really kind of was like, why did he say? I don't know. I kept reading it, reading it. Like, what are you trying to say? And I I couldn't think of it. But luckily, God gave me a very good friend who said, you know, God might be saying, close the door against unbelief. And I went, ooh, that's a good one. In Mark 5, we learned about a man named Jarius, and he was a synagogue leader who asked Jesus for help. And he said, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and lived. Notice he said, he's coming to Jesus. Please, I know you can do this. If you put your hands on her, she'll live. So Jesus went with him, and Jairus knew who Jesus was, and he had faith. He had faith in Jesus that he would be able to help his daughter. Well, as they were heading to the house, they were met by a woman who also had faith in Jesus. She had been dealing with a blood condition for years, and she spent all her money on doctors to try and cure her, and nobody could help her. And even though getting through that crowd... With, was a major obstacle, obstacle for her. In faith, she believed that if she could just touch his hem, she would be healed. Well, when Jesus found out who had touched him, he looked at her and he said, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from Jairus' house to tell him that his daughter was dead. Can you imagine that? Your daughter is dead. And Jesus overheard the conversation, and he turned to Jairus and said to him, Don't be afraid. Just believe. And when I read that, I just picture Jesus turning to him and say, Have faith. I am here with you. When Jesus and Jairus continued on their way, he didn't let anybody else follow them except for three people, Peter, James, and John. Three, di- three disciples that he knows he could count on, and he knew that they had faith. 
Well, when they got to Jairus' house, there was this big commotion and people were crying and wailing. And Jesus goes in and he says, why are you all crying? The child is not dead. She is sleeping. And they laughed at him. In other words, they showed their unbelief. Jesus put them out of the house. I love that. Get out. Jesus put them out of the house. And he took the child's father and mother and the disciples with him. And they went in to see where the child was. I love this part. He took the little girl by her hand. And he said, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, they showed. Immediately, um, she stood up and walked around. God moves by your faith. Jairus had faith. If I get you here, Jesus, I know my daughter is going to be all right. Everything about this is with faith. Now, just like the people in those stories um, that have faith, the widow continued to have faith. And he said to her to pour all the oil in the jars, and as each one is filled, put it to his side. And when another jar, when you ask for another jar, when she asked for another jar, there was no jars left, and then the oil stopped. So she went and told Elijah, right, what happened, and he said, go and sell the, uh, the oil and pay off your debt, and you, are son, you and your sons can live off the rest. Well, that must have been one heck of a lot of oil, you know? Now, I wondered what that creditor thought. I didn't like him too much, to be honest with you. Um, When the woman gave, I wanted to know what his face was when she said, here, here's your money. Here's what we owe you. He didn't seem like a very compassionate man because he sure didn't care about her needs. He probably wondered where she got the money for the oil. Well, imagine his face when the widow told him her story. You see, God still does miracles today. In fact, six years ago, my mother had a stroke. I found her on the floor of the bedroom, and the paramedics were called, and after their examination, they told me that she was paralyzed on the right side, she couldn't speak, and she couldn't swallow. And as I drove behind the ambulance, I cried out to God, and I I kept thinking about everything that the paramedics had said to me, and it wasn't good. I was so scared, I didn't know how my mom was going to handle this because she was an extremely independent woman. And all of a sudden, I heard this loud voice say, are you going to believe what you see? And it, I shook. It was that loud. And I knew at that moment that I was speaking negative words instead of positive words. And I turned around and I said, no, I'm not. My mom will. <laughs> I remember saying, if I only saw, worried that if people were, saw me behind the ambulance, my hand, whenever I'm praying, I throw the left hand. I guess because I think I'm going to hit you with the last one at the end. But I remember saying, she will walk and she will talk and she will have meals with her family in Jesus' mighty name. And all of a sudden, everything that was trying to get me down just ran because let me tell you, Jesus was in that car with me. My sister Karen and I, we contacted my mom's friends and her family to tell them what had happened, and immediately many prayers were going up to God on my mom's behalf, and many prayers came from this congregation for her, and I am so thankful for that. I'm here to tell you that God answers prayers, and today, here in this church, is my mother. Mom, raise your hand. (laughs) 
I love a lot of things about my mother, but the greatest thing I love about her is her faith. She never gets up, gives up at all. She knows who her God is, and she just keeps on trekking. That's what we always say. She just keeps on going. She's like the ever-ready battery. She was diagnosed with um, cancer, and I'll never forget when they got done with the um, radiation, she says, now what? Like, now what? Like, check, we done this? All right, we're gone. And that's how my mother is. I know that one day my mother will be with my father, my earth father, um, because both of them knew the Lord. And it just makes me happy whenever I can talk about God with my mom. Now, I share this story to encourage you because God is real, and he cares about everything in your life. So when you go, go to him first when you need help. He'll be there for you. I know that there's times that maybe your faith was shaken, and maybe you think that he listens to everybody else but me. I was there once. It's not true. What you're listening to is somebody that wants you to go the opposite way, somebody that lives down there. Speak to him in prayer. When you are open and intimate with him, it's like time flies. When you really are sitting there pouring out yourself to him and being just honest with him and telling him how much you love him. And guess what? Even if you screwed up, no matter what you did in your past, no matter what somebody would judge you on or look at, none of that matters when you tell him that you want to give him your heart and you call him Lord. He takes your sins and throws them as far as the east is from the west. God is there for you. Don't ever think he's not. Don't limit his power. Don't tell him what you want him to do. Get out of the way. Just tell him what's bothering you. Tell him what is really upsetting you. Let him do it because guaranteed his way is going to be ten times better than you even thought. Um, But most of all, this is the thing and why I've said the stories I did. Share your testimony. I love sharing when God does something in my life. You're not going to keep it inside of me. I'm going to say it. Not I'm not bragging because, well, God did this for me. No. I'm hoping that whoever I'm telling gets excited as I am that God Almighty did this because they know, they would know that if he did it for me, he's going to do it for you. He is not a respecter of persons. So if God isn't doing what, you're, what you want him to do or you're not getting close, talk to him. Start that relationship Once it's a relationship, you're going to have them forever. Um, The most important thing about sharing your your testimony is you're giving God the glory. It's not about you. It's like, you, look what God did. This is great, but look what God did. So the last point is share your testimony. Now, faith is having unshakable confidence that he promised that that the promises in the word of god are true all right let me say that again faith is having unshakable confidence that the promises written in the word of god are true and since jesus is the same yesterday today and forever those promises apply to us every one of them so how much faith do you have right now The word says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it'll move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Peter put his faith in action, and he got out of the boat. I love Peter. I think I'm like Peter. 
Like we kind of do things, we jump ahead, but that's all right. And because of that, Peter, this is the coolest part, because Peter got out of the boat, he was able to do what only Jesus was able to do, and that was walk on water. He can say he's the only other person that did that because of his faith. Now, I'm going to ask you three questions, and I apologize I didn't have a slide in time because this came after everything was finalized. Um, But I'm going to ask you three questions, and I want you to listen to each one. The first one is, do you ever feel that there is something missing in your life that keeps you from being truly happy? That's question one. Do you want to see the power of God move in your life? That's question number two. And number three, do you want to have faith that can stand while the world is crashing around you? Just think of those questions right now. If you're saying yes to any of these questions, I'm going to challenge you. I want you to take a step towards God in faith. And when we have the prayer team up here, come up and, for prayer. The, altars will, the altar will also be open if you just want to spend time with God. But sometimes you need to take a check inside and say, is my faith low? It's my faith high. It's not embarrassing to come up for faith. I'll tell you, every one of us, myself included, I love when someone comes up to pray. I live to pray. I love it. I just absolutely love it. But if there's something on your heart or you're just feeling like you're not worth it or things are good and you just want to tell somebody about it and praise God, that's what we're here for. We'll all be here to do that. But the biggest thing is you're going to please God by doing that. And then get out of his way and watch what he does for you. So after the worship team is finished, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up right now. The prayer team is going to be up here. We're going to end in, pra- uh, end in prayer. And then um, after um, they're done singing and we end in prayer, all you have to do is get out of the boat, take a leap of faith, and walk up to speak to God.